0: MSW Media.
1: In a landmark decision, the Supreme Court protects transgender Americans from workplace discrimination. What does this decision mean? Let's get on topic. On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name's Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, the host of The Patty Vasquez Show, who joins us regularly on this podcast. But before I speak with Patty, I want to thank all of our patrons who brought us this episode. With special thanks to Michelle Dew, James Frohmeyer, Jay Gelhausen, Jamie Gordon, Patrick, Steve Hungsberg, Shana Wachinski, and an anonymous patron. You too can become a patron on our website, ontopicpodcast.com. Just click the support link at the top of the page. Well, Patty, I have to say... It's been nice to have some good news for a change.
2: Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, a couple of days ago, I was uh, so disappointed at the announcement that the Trump administration was removing some of the Obama administration's uh, protections for uh, transgender patients. You know, when it came to having rights in a hospital or a medical practice uh, or any part of the healthcare system. So this was um really uh, a wonderful surprise today. And I hope that it later extends to patients' rights as well. Yeah,
1: I I have to say this is well this, this particular decision to work regarding workplace protection, it'll be something I think a good that's a good question for our guests in terms of the extent of this ruling. I, I have to say that, you know, it has been troubling to just see over the years how hard it's been for transgender Americans to you know, obtain equal treatment. Uh, you know, there are so many issues that they face. Uh, certainly, I have a lot of experience seeing how they're treated in the criminal justice system, which can be um, very difficult. A particular problem. We know that transgender transgender Americans are, you know, victims of violence um, at a at a higher rate than than uh, um, not than uh, other Americans. Uh, and of course, you know, there has been this this pushback. Uh, by the right um against uh you know um, Obama era interpretations of statutes like uh, title 7 to ensure equal treatment of transgender Americans and so up until this decision you know in certain states you know there's only a portion of states in this country in which uh Americans who are transgender could ensure that they weren't going to be discriminated against at the workplace so you know this is a, a profound victory and really What's interesting to see, of course, is the sort of, uh, you know, how this uh, cuts against the victory dance that a lot of uh, folks in the Federalist Society were doing, thinking that they had finally created this unbreakable majority in the Supreme Court that would ensure, that would ensure not only that Roe v.ersus Wade is overturned, which, of course, that may still happen, but also that, uh, that uh, on issues like this, um, LGBTQ rights... That um, that that would uh, be, you know uh, ultimately uh, be rolled back by this majority.
2: Well, and that's the thing is that I was really uh, pleased that it was such a strong affirmation of these rights uh, that it was six to three. I know some people were probably surprised, but this was what I had hoped for when Gorsuch was being confirmed during the appointment process and during his hearings was that he was a, a, you know a constitutionalist, and this was something that I, I also believed when Roberts was being. Uh, you know, screened and and, and you know, going through these the hearings. And we've seen that to uh, really come to fruition now with Gorsuch and previously with Roberts, not across the board for things that we believe in strongly. And I've always, you know, it's so hard with conservatives because they always seem to hear rulings like this and think that it's about special treatment when really it's about equal protections.
1: Well, that's right. Yeah, I saw a lot of commentary uh, today from the Fox News crowd, uh, Tommy Laren and Ben Shapiro, those those types. And they were very angry about this. And of course, this is a decision by a conservative uh, Supreme Court just written by a conservative Supreme Court justice and um, who was appointed by uh, President Trump and in which he says that uh, that textualism and originalism uh, leads one to this conclusion that transgender Americans can't be discriminated against. And they just think this is the end of America as we know it. And there's really no um, there there. There's no explanation. Like, what do they even mean by this? I mean, Tomi Lahren is talking about, well, why don't we get those protections? Who's we? People on Fox News, white people, um, you know, cis people. What is she talking about? I mean, I, I mean, it's just it's I, I don't even you know, it's just there's this visceral reaction that they have um,
2: to equality. They really do. And it's it's jarring, disappointing and frightening in many ways. And hopefully, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, we'll move on, because although, as we can see with all of the peaceful marches now, you know, while there were some uh, there was some violence at the beginning of, of the protests when it came to Black Lives Matter, you know, we we've you know, you almost hope that every time there's a ruling or there's progress that we've uh, hopefully moved in the right direction. But the last few weeks have shown us that you have to continue to show up to make sure that those who are disenfranchised or relegated to the fringes or have to live, you know, in ways that other people just don't believe that they should be equal or, you know, have protections. It's It's insane to me.
1: Yeah, I will say, look, there's a long road to go for. Equal treatment uh, for transgender Americans. However, you know this is an important step, ensuring that they can't be discriminated against in the workplace. Obviously, important. It's a disgrace that that was not the case until now. And I think, as you as you said, um, uh, Patty, this is part of a march in a positive direction. You know, President Obama. I remember when he gave a um, you know he had given a commencement address at a historically uh, black uh, university in which he talked about how the road to justice requires these sort of incremental steps. And I think today we saw uh, one of those steps come from the United States Supreme Court for transgender Americans. No doubt. Well, let's bring in our guest. Suzanne Goldberg is the Herbert and Doris Wexler Clinical Professor of Law at the Columbia Law School. She was the founding director of the Trailblazing Sexuality and Gender Law Clinic. And before that, she launched her career as an advocate at Lambda Legal, the country's first and largest legal organization focused on achieving full equality for LGBTQ people. While she was at Lambda, she worked on two of the most important decisions in that area before the United States Supreme Court, Lawrence v. Texas the landmark decision that struck down Texas' sodomy law, as well as Romer versus Evans, which overturned an anti-gay Colorado constitutional amendment. So now let's bring in Professor Goldberg. Welcome to the podcast, Professor Goldberg. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: So, you know, Patty and I were just saying this is such great news But we, we would love for you to help us understand the extent of this decision. Can you explain to us what today's Supreme Court decision was about?
0: Today, in today's decision, the court was answering the question, does our nation's anti-discrimination law that prohibits sex discrimination, does that sex discrimination law protect LGBT people from being fired at work or not hired? because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. So it's a a big, important, and a basic question about whether sex discrimination law protects LGBT workers. And the court's answer was, yes, it does. And that all we have to do is look at the plain language of the statute of the law that prohibits sex discrimination and find our answer there.
1: So, you know, in, in the name of that law is referred to, it's it's Title Seven. if any of our listeners have ever heard of that. So just to be clear, Professor, this was a decision interpreting a statute, not the United States Constitution.
0: That's exactly right. And that's a great point, because many people are familiar with other LGBT rights rulings of recent years. So back in just to take us back a little bit uh, In 1996, the court first struck down an anti-gay amendment that came out of Colorado, and that was a big, important first gay rights, positive gay rights ruling in a sense. And then the court went on to strike down the Defense of Marriage Act and to recognize same-sex couples' right to marry. Those were all questions about whether the courts, the Constitution's guarantee of equality and liberty uh, protect gay people from discrimination. And so this case is really about the federal statute, Title VII, right? A law enacted by Congress in 1964 to prohibit discrimination based on sex, race, color, religion, and national origin, whether this law protects against sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination. So it's a statutory question rather than a constitutional question like all of these prior cases involving marriage and other issues.
1: Does that limit the reach of this ruling? In other words, is it, does this mean that it's less likely that the Supreme Court is going to apply this reasoning to other contexts?
0: Uh, actually, no. I think that this ruling is quite expansive in the sense that there are many federal laws that prohibit sex discrimination, not only at work. But also in housing, in credit, in a number of different areas. And so the logic that the Supreme Court applied here should carry over to those other, to, to issues of discrimination in those other areas. And of course, many states and some local governments have prohibited discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity for some time now. But what we've had in the United States is really a patchwork. So in some states you're protected and then you cross the border and you're not. What Title VII does, what today's ruling does, is to say these protections for workers are national. So that is a a big and important difference uh, that today's decision will make.
2: Uh, I have a question because, you know, we often uh, talk about the cases that bring around about these decisions. Can you tell us a little bit about what situation has uh, brought us to this moment in history?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So the, the cases, there are three cases, really. The first case was filed by a man named Gerald Bostock, a gay man who worked in a government program in Georgia, in Clayton County, Georgia. It was a program that helped neglected and abused children there. Uh, just outside of Atlanta. And he he was doing well. He had worked there for a long time. He joined a gay softball league and his employer found out uh, and he was fired. He was fired for conduct, quote, unbecoming of a county employee. The second person who brought a lawsuit was a man named Donald Zarda. And he was a skydiving instructor for a, a company called Altitude Express in New York. He had worked for the company through several seasons of skydiving. And one day he went up with a woman and we, I, I, I haven't ever gone skydiving myself, but I understand that when you do that with an instructor, you're strapped in quite closely. And so he said to her not to worry um, or to feel uncomfortable about their close contact, that he was a hundred percent gay. And days after that, he was fired. The third person who brought suit here was a woman named Amy Stevens, and she had worked as a at a funeral home in Michigan. And when she got the job, she went in and she presented as a man, as Mr. Stevens. But she worked for the company for a couple of years, went into therapy, was dealing with depression and loneliness, and was ultimately diagnosed with gender dysphoria. In, after she had been at the company for six years, she wrote a letter to the employer explaining that she planned to live and work full-time as a woman and was going to transition and would come back to work and, and continue to do the excellent job she had been doing, and she also was fired. And so it's important to remember that in all of these big Supreme Court cases, where they start is with individual human beings who suffer a harm, and these three employees were all fired Either for being gay or for being transgender, and that's the, that. And the court ruled in favor of all three of these individuals today.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. This is a decision. A lot of the f- focus has been, of, cor- of course, on the extension of rights to transgender Americans, but this is also an important decision in terms of sexual orientation as well. Is that right?
0: That, no, that, that's that's exactly right. Uh, so courts. The trend in recent years is for courts to recognize that discrimination because of someone's sexual orientation is an aspect of discrimination based on sex, but it's uneven, like I said. In fact, um, Gerald Bostock, the the man who worked uh, with children, with, abused, with the agency that helped abused and neglected children, um, lost his case when, when he brought it in, in, in court there. Um, and so what we've seen around the country is gay people bringing suits when they've been fired or harassed on the job and winning or losing, depending on what the court decided to do. Uh, we've seen the same for, tra- for cases brought by transgender people. But the trend in a, certainly in, in, in a decade and more has been the courts understand that you can't have a law that prohibits sex discrimination and allow employers to discriminate based on someone because they, because they believe that person doesn't conform to their expectations of who a man or woman should be, either because that person may have a same sex partner or, uh, or identify in ways that are not consistent with the sex they were assigned at birth. And so that, then the court, the majority of the court, six to three, understood that today. And that, even that understanding, as well as the legal protections that come with it, are enormous steps forward, not the end of the line at all, but enormous steps forward well, we were talking
1: about that uh, Patty and I were before we brought you into the conversation, which is that you know change you know you know particularly for transgender americans there's there's a like quite a long way to go, and um, you know this is one kind of one step forward, obviously, as you said, an important step forward. But there's still, you know, very unequal treatment of transgender Americans, let's like, say in our criminal justice system, for example. Um, they're also the victim of violence uh, much more often than um, than uh, than Cis-Americans. So, you know, what, what what do you think would be the next potential? You know, what are the, the next frontiers uh, on the legal front for both in terms of sexual orientation, but then also um, in terms of uh, discrimination against transgender Americans?
0: It's a a great question. And and one thing I I want to say up front is that today's ruling, unfortunately, will not mean the end to discrimination in workplaces against LGBT people. We have longstanding protections against race discrimination and sex discrimination, religious discrimination, right? And it goes on. The importance of the ruling is that it does provide a remedy for some LGBT people who can prove they have been fired because of their sex, and I think even more importantly than that, it sends a message at the national level to employers and to workers that these protections are valued, they're real, they're important. Um, so, so then what? What next? What other legal frontiers? Well, as, as you pointed out. Uh, transgender individuals in the U.S. and actually around the world suffer among the highest rates of bias bias, violence uh, directed at them for being transgender and transgender people of color and transgender women of color in particular um, are among the most vulnerable. We have seen a number of some police involved shootings recently of transgender men and women of color and also just um, kind of stunningly high uh, murder rates and rates of sexual assault and rates of abusive behavior directed at transgender people uh, and especially transgender people of color that really aren't redressed by our system. As, as a colleague of mine explains, right, uh, this is a group of people whose life chances are diminished because of the experience of discrimination and bias at multiple levels. So where to start as a, a matter of law um, legal protections against employment discrimination, housing discrimination, uh, access to public accommodations, that is stores and restaurants and, and any place where one can go in as a general public. Those, those are all very important and those all should follow from today's decision. We also need, as, as, as we have been seeing in, in, in recent weeks and in really over the course of many years, a transformation in the way that the criminal justice system Deals with people who are transgender. So while there are some small number of prisons and jails that recognize uh, and provide protections to transgender people against who are incarcerated against the levels of violence that they experience, uh, there is not nearly enough. And in fact, many of these systems do all they can to deny. Treatment for gender dysphoria, to deny access to hormones, to deny access to surgery if that's needed, and, and, and to expose people uh, to levels of violence that, that are appalling. And so the, the, there's plenty of research, there's plenty of documentation, the time is now to start moving to address it.
2: It is a a remarkable day. And I I have to ask because I've been reading a little bit about the arguments that were made because this was uh, the case was actually before the Supreme Court in the fall. And from what I was reading, while it seemed like Gorsuch might be open to uh, interpreting the law in this direction, it also sounded like he was concerned that um, that this would be a social upheaval that could uh, be entailed in a decision that Title VII covers sexual orientation. Were you surprised by today's ruling? Uh, yeah, I was not, um, I, you <laughs> really, I, 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 you know, I'm an optimistic
0: person in general, The glass is more than half full. Uh, but I, and I'm not a betting person, but if, if I was, I, I, I don't, I, I would have declined to bet on this one because it is, you know, it's, it's, it's. Uh, just was not clear either from the oral argument or from the general disposition of the court which way this would go. I mean, I, I will say that I see the issue before the court, right? This this straightforward question about what sex discrimination law means that that that's a nonpartisan question, and this should not be a partisan issue. But you know, we know the court doesn't operate in a vacuum, and so um, so. You know, I was not alone in being very worried about the the, the potential for a loss here, and that was worrisome uh, both for LGBT people and for sex discrimination law more generally. I filed a friend of the court brief in the case on behalf of women who are CEOs and C-suite executives. Um, Shonda Rhimes and Sheryl Sandberg were among two of, of my clients in that brief, and the point of their brief was that the court should not carve a hole in sex discrimination law and say well you can permit sex stereotyping of lgbt people while protecting women generally against sex stereotyping you can't do that right it doesn't it's, it's illogical and unsustainable as a as a distinction so there was a big worry about whether whether Sex discrimination law would be gutted, and I'm quite relieved to to see that it it was not. Still, still catching my breath about that.
1: <laughs> well, well, speaking of sort of illogical, I, I did want to talk a little bit about Justice Alito's dissent. You know, he seemed particularly upset about this decision. It was very pointed, and he essentially accused Justice Gorsuch of. You know, a flying a false flag of originalism, like pirate ship, like a pirate ship, I think was the metaphor he used. I thought it was pretty bizarre. I was curious what your take was on uh, Justice Alito's dissent.
0: I read the dissent as a classic dissent from a Supreme Court decision that recognizes the rights and the basic humanity of LGBT people, right? We've seen this in every single case where. Uh, the court has recognized rights of, of gay people in the past. And usually that mantle was taken up by Justice Scalia, who would talk about the court sort of, you know, engaging in a cultural revolution or, or there are other decisions where, where for example, in the marriage context, Chief Justice Roberts talked about the court stepping in and, and legislating. And so it, it's, it's, it's sort of the, the go to cry against. The the solid reasoning of, of the court, which was to look at the term sex and ask, well, if an employer treats people differently because of the sex to whom that person is attracted or because that person doesn't match their expectations about who a man or woman is, that looks like sex discrimination. And so when Justice Alito says, well, no, 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 it, it, it doesn't, uh, he, he's got a, a tough argument to make. And it is striking that this decision came down six to three, meaning that Chief Justice Roberts also joined the majority here.
1: Yeah, it seemed to me that for transgender Americans, in some ways, the argument can be even stronger that this is sex discrimination because they would not be transgender if their sex were different. So they really it really is a a discrimination based upon their sex.
0: Yeah, you can't. you, You can't. The, trans, the concept of transgender has gender built in right um and and the um there there's a, a great quote from justice uh, gorsuch's opinion that that makes it all pretty clear uh, uh, just trying to 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 find it for you um and maybe i'll I'll, I'll find it in just a second but he just makes Make, he makes he makes the point that look we I mean, take it, take an employer who fires a transgender person who was identified ma- as male at birth but who is who now identifies as female. If the employer keeps an employee, an identical employee who was identified as female as female at birth and now identifies as female, but says okay, person who's transgender, you Amy Stevens, you you were identified as male. at first and now you're identifying as female what and i'm going to fire you right what could that what could explain that other than i don't you know i object to your sex right i object i to to the way in which you don't conform to my expectations of being someone who is female or someone who is male right the employee as the court says the employee's sex plays an unmistakable and impermissible role in the discharge
1: decision, yeah, I, I I think it's very hard to escape the logic of that, uh, because I think being transgender in particular um, is very tied with uh, with the issue of sat- of one sex. I, I, it's very hard for me to see how how anyone on the right could try to parse that differently. Although uh, you know, it's interesting um, that Justice Kavanaugh tried. Uh, you know, his his take seemed to be that well, people who were drafting this back when Title Seven was first drafted in the 60s weren't thinking about this issue, and so therefore their view of sex is different than ours. I think that's the only, the, which sort of flies in the face of textualism, which looks at the plain meaning of the text, which is usually, I think, how um, uh, folks on the right want the, uh, want the text of statutes to be interpreted. I'm curious about your take on his argument.
0: Look, I think everybody in this case recognizes that when sex discrimination was prohibited in 1964, Congress was not anticipating claims being brought by Don Zarda and Gerald Bostock and Amy Stevens as gay, openly gay and openly transgender people, right? It's not that there were not any openly gay or transgender people, but there was not an LGBT movement or a recognition of LGBT individuals as part of society as we have today. Uh, but that's not the end of the conversation, right? So the Supreme Court, uh, when, when Title VII was enacted in 1964, I don't think anybody believed that Congress was thinking, well, this is going to prohibit sexual harassment in the workplace. Or, as the court recognized in 1999, this will prohibit sexual harassment between people of the same sex. What the majority decision does is go back to the fundamental language, the core language of Title VII and says, well, what does, you know, when Congress said sex discrimination is prohibited, it didn't qualify that. It didn't say except when people are transgender or except when people are gay or except when a woman brings a claim of sexual harassment or a man brings the claim of sexual harassment against another man. What it said was, Sex discrimination is prohibited by employers, and employers may not make decisions because of an employee, an individual employee's sex. So, you know, I understand perfectly well that Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Alito and Justice Thomas, who signed on to Justice Alito's opinion, don't like the outcome here, but their analysis um, uh, (coughs) seems seems oriented to achieve an outcome they prefer rather than an analysis that is consistent with reading the plain language of the statute.
1: Which is ironic because, yeah, that is usually the drum that is beaten from the right is to look at the plain language of the statute and ignore everything else. I will note that there's plenty of um, instances in which circumstances have changed different and, and make the situation different from what people um uh, thought when they were drafting a document i mean that the framers of our constitution didn't contemplate an air force uh but we still have one uh and uh and we I think, recognize um um the authority of the president and the authority of congress with respect to an air force in the same way that we that we do respect you know with respect to other branches of the military that were more um within the contemplation of the people who created the constitution so it's it's not hard i think to fish It you probably could come up with thousands of of examples um in in this i think um you know the logic here is pretty inescapable and i i thought that what was interesting for me to see was the reaction more broad, broadly to this uh, decision um, really um, uh, lots of people decrying this as sort of the end of our republic? Uh, a lot of folks on the right, uh, I guess, for, for you, someone who's a veteran of fighting these battles in the legal system, this is probably all too familiar. Yes,
0: it, it is. It, it, it is familiar. You know, when I, when I was working on some of these cases in the 1990s and. We started to win, right? So the court recognized, uh, that the constitution doesn't sort of carve out an exception and say gay people aren't protected. Or in the marriage context where the, the, where lower courts and ultimately the U.S. Supreme Court recognized that, you know, the constitution's equality guarantee does apply to gay people, right? When the court struck down Texas's so-called homosexual conduct law and, and you know, relieved us of a decision uh, in an earlier case that said that, well, the moral disapproval of a majority would be enough to to put, impose special penalties on gay people, right? There was, you know, the, the response from those who disagreed would say, you know, the sky is falling, the republic is falling. We are, we are going to collapse as a society. But what we know is that every time the court has issued a ruling that recognizes um, the equality of people in this society and the humanity of people in this society, we've actually become stronger as a republic. Um, same-sex couples have been getting married for a long time in the United States. And, and while the sky may be falling for other reasons, it's not because of gay people getting married to each other. And so that, that's a, you know, this, this is a, a, a critically important piece. I used to describe this as, as the country as in kind of an adolescent rebellion against gay rights. So that, you know, the door would be slammed and people would be saying, no, no, no. But, but ultimately we mature as a nation and the door reopened and gay couples get married and have kids and transgender people hold a variety of positions in the workplace, just like Non-transgender people and and life does continue to go on and and we are the better for it. Um, so so that 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 is um, where I think we're headed, notwithstanding the 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 outcry. And in fact, I think in some ways, what's, what's even more telling is that the, is that the outcry about the republic is is in much smaller pockets. In 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 virtually every respect, the Supreme Court's decision today was catching up with where Americans have been for. A long time. Um, if I if I might just offer another uh, sort of uh, pointed quote from from the from the majority's opinion today, uh, Justice Gorsuch wrote, you know, imagine an employer who has a policy of firing any employee known to be homosexual. Right. The employer hosts an office holiday party and invites employees to bring their spouses a model employee arrives and introduces a manager to Susan, the employee's wife, will that employee be fired? If the policy works, uh, you know, the, as the employer intends, the answer depends entirely on whether the model employee is a man or a woman. Right. So, so if I show up with my wife and I'm fired and I show up with my husband and I'm not fired, what, what is that other than sex discrimination? And so, Again, notwithstanding the cries, the Congress in 1964 said sex employers may not discriminate against individual employees because of their sex. And so the court really recognizes that very basic point today in in its decision.
2: I was wondering, what do you think today's decision uh, might give us as far as insight into rulings on upcoming cases?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's very hard to say, you know, we have seen over the past year's That the court has recognized has has recognized the rights of gay people, while, for example, uh, cutting you know uh, sort of gutting important parts of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits race discrimination in voting. Um, We've seen the court recognize the rights of gay people while cutting back on protections for immigrants. So, so I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um you know, we the the court has tread an uneven path with respect to civil rights, uh with respect to abortion rights. There are there's an important case we're still awaiting about the DACA program that provides important protections to undocumented young people. Very important case cases coming up related to abortion. So what we, we we hard to say, <laughs> very hard to say. Um <clears throat> And of course, you know, one, one point that, that I, I do want to make um, sort of about the impact of this case in our society today is that as important as this is, you know, we know discrimination continues. We know violence continues. We know that uh, employees continue, workers continue to face all sorts of challenges at work related to sexual harassment, related to race discrimination, religious discrimination, as well as discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And so at the end of the day, we must have legal protections, but what we also must have are employers who are serious about addressing the culture in their workplace that allows discrimination and bias and harassment to go on. And we know that outside of the employment context, we need the same as well. It's important to have legal protection, but we, we don't get there without a commitment to culture change alongside.
1: Wow. I think that's actually a, a fantastic point in which to end this conversation, because I think uh, I think that's actually very profound. Uh, i i I really appreciate you coming on, Professor. I learned a lot from this conversation. I think Patty and I were both excited about the result, but very eager to learn more and i I really appreciate your insight
0: well, i very much appreciate the chance to have a conversation with you these These issues are important um uh, for right now and for how we think about our our future if our
1: listeners are interested in getting more involved on this issue if they want to potentially do do something themselves to support an organization, for example, that defends um, the rights of, of LGBTQ Americans. Wh- where 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 can they go?
0: Sure. So I'm going to list for you the names of a handful of organizations right now uh, where they can, that people can support. Uh, before I do that, I, I also want to encourage listeners to look for the LGBT advocacy organizations in their local communities and their state. Because these issues continue to be challenging and there are ways to get involved in the day-to-day efforts to make change at home. There is also the Equality Act that is in front of Congress right now. And that is the uh, another important place where Letters and actions are welcome to get in touch with your congressperson, especially your senator, and ask them to move this forward. Um, But uh, Just to to name some organizations, there's Lambda Legal, which is an organization where where I worked a a long time ago. Uh, L-A-M-B-D-A Legal. There is the ACLU's LGBT Rights Project. There's the National Center for Lesbian Rights. There is the Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders, which works in New England. And all of these organizations have a long history of working in LGBT legal advocacy and all um, are in there in these cases and all will continue to be in there to, to fight for LGBT rights across a variety of issues for a long time to come.
1: Well, thank you again. Uh, And uh, we are hopefully going to be looking forward to continued, you know, steps towards uh, equality and equal treatment uh, for LGBTQ Americans. So thank you very much, Professor.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank
1: you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast Go to your app and review the podcast and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic.